0: Call in at 303 690 3000. Let's join Calvary Live
3: right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today, taking your calls and your texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to discuss or ask questions about, or if you have a prayer request. We'd love to pray for you and hopefully answer some of your questions and bring clarity to your Bible study. The number to call is 303 690 that's 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again the text line is 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are tuning in here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM and we also want to welcome those who are listening on the east coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey and Maryland as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and into North Carolina and Kentucky. And we also want to welcome those of you who are tuning in online. As I as I often say when I host, you know, we have a growing number of people listening online. It looks like right now Uh, We have people down in Durban, South Africa, tuning in live at this moment. So welcome to those of you in Durban, South Africa, as well as in uh, Mexico. It looks like near Mexico City and in northern Mexico as well. Just great to have uh, an international audience as well. It looks like we have a couple dozen listeners uh, tuning in right now from different places across the U.S. via the mobile app and Uh, The website So it looks like up in Washington State. We've got a faithful listener. Southern California always have lots of listeners down there as well as into Florida and some on the on the East Coast. And so, hey, we are so glad that you're tuning in today. Looks like we've got some listeners down in Louisiana as well. And um, and uh, actually kind of just across the whole country. So, hey, we're so glad that you're tuning in. Uh, Welcome to those of you who are tuning in online. Hey, any of you out there who haven't yet gone and got our mobile app. For your phone or your tablet. We really encourage you to do that. It's just a great way that you can keep up with this show and all the other great programming here on Grace FM. So just go in your App Store and go to uh, the search bar, type in Grace FM as one word, and it should come up right away Grace FM Colorado. And you'll be able to get that, put it on your uh, device, and you will be able to listen anywhere really in the world. And so it'd be awesome for you to have that. You can also go online, why, uh, I'm sorry, you can go online to GraceFM.com, GraceFM.com, and you can um, tune in there, and you can. There's a button right on that first page where you can listen live wherever you are on your computer. So a big hello to everyone who's tuning in today. Just a reminder that those on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee. If you're listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. So just keep that in mind. But we would still love for you to call in, ask your questions, have us pray for your prayer requests. And then you'll have a unique opportunity. You actually get to tune in the following week. And you get to hear yourself on the radio, maybe tell some friends to tune in as well. So that's a unique opportunity you have. And um, welcome. We're glad that you're with us. Again, this is the show where you you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Or you can text us. Um, You can ask questions about the Bible. Maybe you've been reading and you're confused by something, or maybe you have a prayer request or something going on in your life that you'd like to talk about or receive prayer for. We have a great community of people tuning in every day, listening, and as they're driving or as they're listening to this in some other place, maybe at work, they're able to join in prayer and lift those things up to God. So we would love for you to call in with those questions or prayer requests. The number to call once again is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. One more time, the text number 720 336 Just a few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And if you are in Longmont or in any of the surrounding communities, maybe in Lyons or Berthoud, if you're in Mead, Frederick, Firestone, DeCono, Erie, Lafayette, Niwatt, Boulder, we would love for you to come and worship with us and be part of what God is doing here at Whitefields. And if you maybe are in a different area, but you know people who live in this area, send them our way. We'd love to welcome them and uh, serve them, worship with them we have a great church here. God's doing some great things. The website where you can check us out is whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com, and on there you can listen to some messages. You can see who our staff is. You can find out all about us and our vision and our mission, what we're all about, and you can also follow up with us on social media. So for those of you who listen to podcasts, and a podcast is just uh, blowing up right now. So for those of you who are looking for a good podcast, check us out on the podcast apps. Um, So just type in Whitefields Church as, you know, Whitefields is two words for those of you uh, who might be searching for it. So Whitefields uh, Community Church, and we should come up right in the the first, you know, page there, and you'll be able to subscribe and listen to all of our messages. We also put out a special episode every Wednesday, which is kind of a sermon follow-up in which our, our two pastors discuss the message from Sunday. And so check us out on there. You can also check us out Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all, that good, all the good social sites. And we'd love for you to come and worship with us sometime. So 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, we meet in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue here in downtown Longmont. And the address is 700 Longs Peak Avenue. We're just to the south of the downtown park and ride. And we are just on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is our city park here in Longmont. So we're right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. And of course, you can go to our website and find directions and all that good stuff, whitefieldschurch.com. We'd love for you to worship with us. And we're going to go straight to our callers now. It looks like we've got all full lines, which is awesome. So let's go to our first caller, Camille in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Camille. Welcome to the program. Hi, Camille. Okay, let's go to our next caller. Let's go to Dan in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Dan. Hello. Welcome to the program. How you doing today? Doing great. What's up? Um, so,
4: I read the Bible here recently all the way through, and I find tons of examples all the way through the Bible where it tells us to not go into a new land and ask, how do they worship their gods? Mm-hmm. Because we're supposed to worship God the way that the Bible tells us to. So in that light, or if we look at, like, Joshua 24, it tells us to choose this day which God we will serve. So in light of that, when we look at a holiday like Halloween, when we're not aware of the roots or the traditions of a holiday, then I could see us celebrating it because we're not aware. But then once we're made aware of the traditions and the roots of the holiday, and then we find out that it's actually got pagan roots and satanic roots to it, I don't see anywhere in the Bible that says we could take a pagan holiday and then try to Christian it and use it as one of God's days. I don't see an example of that anywhere in the Bible. Um, And I was just wondering how do we, once we're aware of the traditions and the roots of it, how do we go about just putting that aside and saying that we're going to make it for
3: God? Yeah. So, um, you know, I wouldn't ever want anybody to go against their convictions, and I think that that's really uh, made clear in Romans chapter 14. But I do think that there is precedent for uh, having a discussion about this topic in the New Testament. And I think the precedent is found regarding meat that's sacrificed to idols. And that's actually what Paul is discussing as an example in Romans 14. But it's not the only thing he's discussing there in Romans 14. He's basically talking about all of these kind of gray areas where, you know, pretty good arguments can be made on both sides. Okay, so like, for example, when it came to meat sacrifice to idols, which I I actually do think is a very direct parallel here. um, You know, the best meat that was available at that time in the markets was meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And so there were some Christians who said, you know what? Um, an idol, you know, is really, really nothing. We believe in the, the true God, the God of heaven and earth. And those idols, we consider them to be not even, you know, anything that has any true power. Our God has the real power. He has overcome sin and Satan and death. And therefore we feel that we can eat this meat in good conscience um, and we don't have to, you know, we didn't worship idols to uh, get this meat. It, it might have been sacrificed to an idol, but we don't do that. We worship the true and living God. So we're just going to eat this meat that's the best meat at the best price. And we're going to do that in good conscience and we're going to be fine with it. And other Christians said, how could you ever do that? How could you say those idols are nothing? Those idols represent demons. People are worshiping demons and sacrificing that as a, as a religious sacrifice to demons and then uh, you're buying that and basically supporting this whole structure and consuming that and basically like saying that as a Christian you're not worried about being contaminated by that you're not worried about supporting this whole thing you know we should have nothing to do with that so these were the two arguments and Paul looked at those arguments and he said well you know what you guys both make a pretty good case And he said, this is a case in which I'm going to call this a gray area. And Paul says, I want everyone to be convinced in his own mind. Isn't that interesting that Paul said this? Everyone should be convinced in his own mind. And he said this also there in in Romans 14. If it is a sin to you, then it's a sin. In other words, like if somebody comes to me and uh, they say, hey, you know, I have a conviction that for me, you know, maybe not for everybody, but for me to drink alcohol or, or let's say, to smoke tobacco or something, right? It, it's a sin, and and they might even say, you know what? It maybe not for everybody, but for me it would be a sin to do that. And I say, well, hey, then don't do it, because truly, for you to break your conscience would be to sin, and um and so that would be my advice to you. I I really think that you you know you make a good case and you have a good argument, and you definitely shouldn't celebrate something that goes against your, your convictions. On the other hand, I think that a decent argument can be made the other way. There are um, instances in the Bible where we see people, well, let's not say in the Bible, let's actually look at Christian history. Now, you make a, a great point. Are there any instances in the Bible? I can't think of any. The only instance I see in the Bible is where Jesus celebrates Hanukkah, but clearly Hanukkah is not something that has pagan roots. So that that would be a different case. Um, In Christian history, of course, you know that um, Christmas, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, almost certainly. Uh, Rather, what happened there is that um, Christians took holidays that existed in the pagan cultures, and they took those holidays and they changed the meanings of those holidays. Now, some people, again, look at that and they say, well, therefore, those holidays are corrupt and Etc., And I would just kind of push back and say, hey, look, if you want to sell, we don't know exactly when Jesus was born. If we want to celebrate his birth on a day, which you know, could have some symbolic precedent saying that the darkest day of the year after that, everything gets bright again. Um, and Christians look at that and they said, okay, we're going to basically appropriate this holiday and we're going to use this for the worship of god something which in the past was used for the worship of you know false gods even demons and we're going to use this for the worship of god they some people looked at that and they said this is an act of redemption rather than an act of um, compromise so that that's where we're at with this this is really one of those arguments Uh, my feeling is that the way that that if if a christian is celebrating Halloween in a way that glorifies things which God says you should not glorify these things or have anything to do with them whatsoever, then absolutely that, that's not even a question. You should not be doing that. I don't think we should be encouraging our children or anyone to dress up as witches, you know, to talk about these kinds of things. But when it comes to, you know, your five-year-old putting on a Spider-Man costume and going um, to your neighbor's house and asking for some candy, you know I think that that's um, that that's a cultural thing that you can do this again this is like a like people eating meat sacrificed to idols and saying these things have no power over me I'm not worshiping a demon I'm not worshiping an idol I'm just eating some meat I think this is the same exact conversation okay so my advice to you don't do it uh, my advice to anybody else, pray about it. If you can do it in a way that is, that is, uh, you know, taking part in a cultural activity that has nothing to do with, um, you know, glorifying anything demonic or, or satanic, then I would say that, um, you know, that that's between you and God to do that. And I would say that that is, that is a valid thing that you can do. On the other hand, here's how I do it. I'll tell you what my, me and my family do. Um, for Halloween, is that we um, set up a thing in our front yard. This is the one day a year, think about it, when all your neighbors come knocking on your door. And so we set up a fire pit in our um, driveway. And then as our neighbors come with our kids, with their kids, you know, we're out there and we hand out tracks. So we actually provide tracks for our church because we know that people from the neighborhood are going to be coming to their house. And people from their neighborhood who don't know Jesus probably aren't you know, ready for like uh, a lecture or really to have like the lights turned off and you hide in your basement. But they will be, you know, willing if you give them some candy, they might also be willing to have a well-made Bible track. So what we do is we get some tracks. Crossway is our favorite publisher here at Whitefields. We get some tracks from Crossway. We provide them for our church and we tell people, hey, if you don't want to participate in this, we totally respect that. But if you want to use this opportunity to be missional and use it for the gospel, we also respect that. We, we think about Paul going up on Mars Hill and speaking to the pagan philosophers in a way that they could understand, meeting them on their own ground and preaching Jesus to them. That's what we want to do with Halloween. So we set up a fire pit in front of our house. Uh, we we do uh, coffee for the adults and we do candy for the kids. And so we you know, try to engage in conversations with the adults. Tell them, hey, we hand out stickers from our church. We hand out these um, these Bible track flyers and we invite people to church. Uh, my wife is really into it. She And she does a great job talking to people that we meet in our neighborhood. And, and we just look at it as, hey, this is a cultural thing. We are not going to worship any kind of thing. We're not going to compromise spiritually, but we will take this opportunity of people coming to our doorstep to share Jesus with them. Cool. Hey, Dan, thanks for calling in, and God bless you. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven Let's go to our next caller Dan in Frederick, Colorado. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the program
5: Hey brother. How are you doing buddy? Doing great? Awesome. Uh, yeah, I got a question about you know when when Jesus was re- uh, resurrected and uh, He presented himself to the disciples it didn't say that he walked through a wall, or he just appeared in that room, right?
3: Right, but the door was locked, and so that's that's uh, the, that's why sometimes it's mentioned that he walked through the wall.
5: Okay, so if we're going to be, tra- once we get resurrected, and our bodies are transformed, and we're going to be like Jesus, are we going to be able to, like, time travel, or... Just yeah. think of a place we want to be and we we can show up.
3: Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question, Dan. I'd tell you two things. First of all, there's no precedent in the Bible uh in the New Testament of people getting resurrection bodies and then showing up anywhere on earth. Um and here's here's what I think, and I I'm will I know that you know there might be some differences of opinion on this and some people might see it differently. Really, here's the question though. Here's what it comes down to. When do we get our resurrection bodies? Do we get our resurrection bodies as soon as we die if our faith is in Jesus? Or do we get our resurrection bodies at the resurrection of the dead um, when we have the new heavens and the new earth and when Hades and hell are cast into the sea of a fire, the lake of fire? And my understanding is this that if you were to die in faith in Christ today, your spirit would go to be with God. Your spirit would go to be in the immediate presence of God. Because as Paul says, right, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, he talks about our resurrection bodies. He says, you know, that we will not be unclothed, but we will be clothed. The question is, when does that happen? And it's my understanding that that happens if we look at a timeline, that happens at the resurrection of the dead, which is when the uh, final judgment takes place. So that's after Jesus' second coming. It says that the dead in Christ are raised and there will be, um, you know, there will be a gathering, right? So the the sheep and the goats, there will be a division that takes place. Uh, some will be judged um, in their sins for for judgment, eternal judgment, and others will be judged for reward at what's called the bema seat or the reward seat of Jesus. And so those of us who are believers, we won't be judged for our sins under condemnation because Jesus already took our condemnation for us on the cross. So our judgment will be one for reward like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, what that means is I believe it's at that time when the new heavens and the new earth will come, and that is where we will experience heaven forever, th- I believe that that will be much more tangible and physical, and that is the time when we will receive these resurrection bodies. So that's my understanding, and I don't see any example of people you know, dying, then receiving a resurrection body like Jesus, and you know, showing up places after they had died, like in the New Testament.
5: So the earth will be transformed as well.
3: Right, there'll be a new heavens and a new earth.
5: Okay, so when it, when it when the Bible talks about, I love thinking about what heaven is. You know, yeah. I I love how they. You know, I like to just sit there and just imagine what it's going to be like, and it's going to be so glorious. And when the Bible talks about having streets of gold, okay, is that are we going to have vehicles like? Will I get a, get to ride a Harley?
3: you to get a sweet Hummer or something? I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. But I'll tell you this. When it talks about streets of gold, see, here's the difficulty we have, right? Like Paul says in First uh, Corinthians 12, he says, he went up to the third heaven. Or I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 12. He went up to the third heaven and he saw things which must not be spoken. Like there's just, I, as far as I understand, it, there's just no words, right? And so you're trying to de- use words that we've developed here on earth to describe things that we know to describe something which will be so different that we don't have words for it. And so here's my understanding about the streets of gold. Maybe they are literally streets of gold, but here's what I rather understand that as, you know what we have right now we have streets of asphalt and it's, it's saying that there will be a such a shift in values in the kingdom, the eternal kingdom in heaven. Such a shift in values that the way that people think about gold now will be like the way that people think about asphalt, right? Yeah, so actually opposite. The way that people think about asphalt is the way they'll think about gold. In other words, in our world today, people go to war. They fight each other. They steal. They kill each other over gold. But in the kingdom, in eternity, gold will be nothing. That won't be real value, right? That'll be like asphalt. The things that people war and fight over now will not be the things that people desire in the kingdom. Rather, what will be great in the kingdom what will make heaven heaven is that god will be there amongst us in other words we won't be enamored with gold we'll walk on it and not even notice that it's there in other words right you don't see anybody like digging up the street to gather a bunch of asphalt and i think that's how it'll be in in uh, heaven now as to whether or not you'll have a harley man i i can't uh i can't tell you the answer to that but i do think that sometimes we we miss the point when it comes to heaven You know, like uh, my son was asking me the other day about, you know, what kind of mansion are there? What kind of mansions are there going to be? And my answer is, man, I don't know. But I'll tell you this: when you're in heaven, you're not going to be enamored with the mansions or the Harleys. You know what you're going to be enamored with? You're going to be enraptured with God. You're going to be enamored with Him. That is what will make heaven heavenly. Conversely, what will make hell hellish is the absence of God, as as Paul tells us in First Thessalonians. I'm sorry, Second Thessalonians, chapter one.
5: Right. Well, thank you, Pastor Nick, and uh, God bless you and your ministry. I, I listen to uh, Grace FM every day that I'm on the road, traveling the highways and byways in this country, and I get so inspired and lifted up by th- this program. So thank you.
3: Awesome, Dan. Hey, thanks for sharing that, and uh, great to hear from you. And hey, I hope that you know whatever you have in heaven is going to be even better than a Harley. So oh, yeah. God bless you, Dan. Take care.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Bye.
3: Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We've got two open lines. The number to call is 303 690 It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 Zero eight nine seven. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. And you can call in or text us with your questions about the Bible, your prayer requests. We'd love to answer your questions and pray for you here on the show. So give us a call. Let's uh, go to our next caller, Gail in Evans, Colorado. Hi, Gail. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi, Pastor. Thank you for taking my call.
3: Yeah. What's up?
1: Um, I was calling about the gift of tongues, I've been praying about for quite some time, um, and I haven't been blessed with that yet, and I didn't know, um, the call answer explained one passage in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that explains not everybody necessarily gets, you know, the gifts, all the gifts. I just was wondering, um, if I was asking, for the right way, or maybe I need need to pray harder. I, I don't know if maybe I could get some prayer. That sure. If I'm supposed to. I know it's just between me and the Lord. I just know that um He knows my heart's desire. Whether or not I can speak in tongues, but I just feel that it would bless me even more if I could. I sure.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting gift, right? Because it's the one gift that edifies the person as opposed to edifying the body. And so it is a blessing, and it is something that we should desire. Paul says there in 1 Corinthians, he says, desire earnestly the greater gifts, but above all, desire love. What's interesting, though, is that what Paul then goes on to say is that the greatest gift is the one that will build up the body. And so he actually... Uh, diminishes a little bit the gift of tongues in its greatness. So what he tells us is, you know, desire the greatest gifts. And then he goes on to say that the greatest gifts are the ones that we can use to build up others. And so I would tell you just that one piece of advice. Maybe don't make this a main focus of your prayer life. I would say it's great to ask for it, and I will pray for you that you would receive it. I would say as far as receiving it goes, we receive it like we receive anything else from God. That's a gift of his grace. We receive it by faith and uh, we ask, we receive, and uh, we use it. So remember that it's a prayer language. The purpose for it is for you to be able to pray in your weakness, the weakness that comes with our um, lack of ability to verbalize what we're feeling and a lack of ability to use the limited vocabulary that we have to praise God. And so um, let me pray for you. I think that that's the only advice I can give you uh, as regards this would be uh, receive it in faith. And I would say start practicing it. If you feel that uh, it hasn't been given to you, then feel free to keep asking. But above all, desire the greater gifts. And the greatest gift is the one that you can use to build up the body. So let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Gail and her desire to have this language with which she prays to you, Lord, in her spirit. And so we look at how beautiful it is in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. And Lord, I pray that she would receive it. She'd receive it by faith. But Lord, I pray above all, you give her a gift that she can use to build up others as well, and that she would do that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gail. Thanks for calling in. You're listening to Calvary Live. We're going to a two-minute break. We'll be right back in two minutes' time.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to talk about or receive uh, counsel on. We'd love to hear from you and hopefully answer some of your questions and we'd love to pray for you. So give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Looks like we have all open lines right now, which means that it's a great time to call in. Just uh, earlier in the show, we had our lines were full really fast, and we took those calls. And now it looks like our lines are wide open, so it's a great time for you to call in 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000, or text us 720 three three six zero eight nine seven let's go to our text line as we wait for some more calls to come in Uh, one person texts in and says this i'm feeling called to seminary and i'm excited to get started and be in line with god's will for my life however my wife is not all in what advice would you give me for dealing with a call from the lord when your spouse is not feeling the same call that's a tough one. Here's uh, what I would advise you on. I would advise you that your primary calling is to your family. You know, we see examples of this in the Bible, where we see great men of God who served the Lord and served God's people, but oftentimes they failed at home. And one of these men was Moses. You know, there was a time when I don't know if you remember the story. There was a time when Moses um, was going off uh, to you know help the people of Israel, and his wife comes to him. And she circumcised their son because Moses had neglected to do so. And his wife had actually come out of a pagan background. Her dad was a pagan priest. Zipporah is her name. So she's come out of a out of a pagan background. And apparently, you know, she had joined Moses in his faith in the true and living God, Yahweh. And then Moses is so busy serving the people of God that he neglects to do his fatherly patriarchal duty. Of circumcising his son, and so she does it, and it says, you know, it's quite graphic. She throws the foreskin and says, you know, you are a bloody husband to me. Another time we see David, you know, that David, this great man of God, and yet um, he has this huge mess in Second Samuel that's created by his own failures as a father, his failures to deal with problems that were right in front of his eyes. You know, that's how Absalom ended up. Rising up and leading this rebellion, and why he was so upset with his dad, because he felt that his dad had let his other brother you know assault his sister Dinah, and his dad had known about it and not done anything to Absalom and that or not done anything to the other brother, and so Absalom raised up, killed the brother, and tried to take over the kingdom, so we see that you know these are two examples of men of God who didn't do a good job, you know you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, each of those three men. Failed at home, and yes, God used them and God redeemed them. But remember this: your primary calling is to lead at home first. That's what we see, like in First Timothy, chapter three, about you know um, qualifications for overseers. It's really important. So that would be my first thing to do. Is I tell you, lead and shepherd your family. Lead and shepherd your wife. And that's what—that's actually what it says in 1 Timothy, that if someone's unable to do that, they are unable to lead and shepherd in the household of God. Now, if your wife is hesitant, then I would walk with her through some of her hesitancy. Like if she's not like totally against it, but she's like, I don't know, uh, then find out why. Find out what her fears are and find out if those are things where you need to come together and walk together in faith and say, you know, maybe she's afraid. Hey, I heard pastors are super broke for the rest of their life. And I'm not sure if I want that. Well then maybe that's a that's a really important discussion for you to have. Either way, if you shepherd well through this, I think this provides a great opportunity for you and your wife to draw closer to each other and to the Lord. And I think that everybody wins no matter what happens here. So lead well through this situation. I encourage you. Um let me pray for you, but I would tell you, um, You know, if your wife's saying, hey, look, I'm not 100% in, but I will support you, then I think go ahead and move forward cautiously, tentatively. Um, But if she's like, I'm not into this, and, you know, if you do this, I'm going to be mad, then I think you need to spend some time working that through with your wife first. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, pray for this. Uh, Dear brother who feels called into ministry and feels called to seminary and is very excited, Lord, I pray that you would um, help him and his wife to get on the same page. Lord, if it's that she needs to catch the vision, Lord, help him to help her to get this vision. If it's that, Lord, this is uh, an important red flag that he needs to pay attention to, as perhaps a, something that you want to speak to him, about your direction for him through his wife. Lord, I pray that he would receive that graciously as well. So I pray for him, that give him direction, give him wisdom, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, brother, one last thing um, on seminary and things like that. There's a lot you can do to get started before officially enrolling. There's some great podcast stuff. There's iTunes U has some great... Um, Stuff from like Covenant Seminary that I have listened to. So you can actually get some seminary courses online uh, for free. And, you know, you can start growing and learning in those ways. And I would just encourage you get started serving in your church. You know, one of the greatest ways to grow and be prepared for ministry is to do ministry. Um, And so I encourage you to do those things as you're waiting and working these things through with your wife. So, hey, great uh, question. And just praying for you, brother. Excited about what God's doing in your life. Let's go to our next caller. Let's go to Kenny in Lakewood, Colorado. Hi, Kenny. Welcome to the program.
4: Hello. How you
2: doing?
3: Doing great. What's up?
2: Um, I was calling because uh, well, my kids are having some issues at school with other kids bullying them and harassing them, and uh, I just, um, me and my wife are trying to serve God, and I just don't want them to turn back to my old ways and 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 handle things that like i used to and it's just really hard right now with what's going on and i was just looking for a prayer for them
4: yeah
3: let's do that heavenly father we pray for kenny and uh, thank you lord that he's wanting to to really follow you and honor you with the ways that he responds to difficult things in his life and lord there's nothing that grieves us more than when we see our children hurting and we feel helpless to help them lord i pray for his kids i pray you'd give Uh, His kids Lord strength and clarity in these things that when people call them names Lord, they would understand who they really are in you But we do pray that this bullying would stop We pray that Lord you would somehow cause this to end and that these kids could have a relief from that But I pray that you give Kenny and his wife the wisdom and the knowledge the ability to minister to their kids when they're at home and to be able to tell them, be able to speak their true name over them, who they are in your eyes, God, and that they would be able to speak the truth into their lives. Lord, we pray that the administration at the school would take this issue seriously, that uh, this bullying would stop, and Lord, that you'd help Kenny and his wife to respond in a godly way, in a way that really helps their kids, and in a way that's going to equip them for the rest of their lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank
4: you. You bet, Kenny. All right, good
3: day. You too.
4: Bye.
3: You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got all open lines right now, and we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us 720-336-0897. Someone looks like uh, Ken in Baltimore called in but couldn't be on the air. So he wanted to ask, um, what land were the Hebrews in before Jake, Joseph was taken into slavery? They were in the land of Canaan is the answer to that question. But they were, um, yeah, they were in the land of Canaan. That And that's laid out for us there in many places. It actually says that when they, when when they threw jo, uh, Joseph in the pit, you remember that story where they like turned on Joseph and attacked him and all that? It actually gives us a geographical marker. It tells us they were in, the, in a place called Dothan, which it says it was a desolate place. And it actually says there in chapter 37 that this all took place in the land of Canaan. And so that's just important for us to remember. And And the place where they were... Leading their pastor. So we have three geographical markers here in Genesis 37. One, it says that this took place in the land of Canaan. Then we see in verse 12 that Joseph went to meet his brothers in a place called Shechem. And then the next part, it tells us in verse 17 that they came to Dothan. So that's where they were before Joseph went into slavery was in Canaan. So, you know, basically Abraham had come, they had lived, you know, there were towns in Canaan at the time when Abraham came in there. And it says that, that there were towns. And sometimes he had some interactions with the towns. You might remember in Genesis 15, there's like this whole battle that takes place between all these different, you know, city states. And Abraham gets kind of caught up in the midst of it. And Lot gets kidnapped and all these things. Well, so it, But it also makes it clear that Abraham didn't settle in any of the cities of the Canaanites, but he stayed outside the cities in desolate places, living in tents. We also know that he was a rancher. It tells us that he had a lot of uh, sheep and goats, and so he needed the big open space, uh, but that's where they were. It was at, after Joseph was taking the slavery in Egypt, then the people of Israel go down to Egypt looking for grain because there's a famine in Canaan. They end up in Uh, A very fertile part of Egypt, which is given to Joseph. And then, of course, the administration of Egypt turned against them. And one thing led to another. And then God led them back to Canaan after that. So hope that answers the question. Thanks for that call, Ken in Baltimore. You're listening to Calvary Live. And the number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Love to hear from you. We'd love to answer your questions about the Bible and pray for you. So while we're waiting for calls to come in, let's go to our text line once again. We've got a few more text questions that have come in. One person asked this, Someone asked me, why are there so many different denominations within the church that don't always agree, and how can they trust um, what these churches say or teach? How can it be trustworthy? And this person says, I wasn't sure how to answer that question biblically. So here's here's what it comes down to. Um, I, I think that some people perceive the many denominations that exist as a Disunity within the church, and I don't see it that way at all. I think that um, there are many churches which fall under the umbrella of what we call orthodoxy, right? So they they believe things about the Bible which are true. In other words, the things they believe about Jesus are the same. Now, what we call we would call these things primary doctrines and secondary doctrines. So primary doctrines are the doctrines which if you don't believe these things, you are not a Christian. So these are things like how are we saved? Uh who is God? You know, who is Jesus? These are really important things. You know, do we believe in the Trinity? Do we believe that the Bible is true? Etc. Now we'd say that different denominations that believe these things are all Christians, right? We're all in agreement. Now what we disagree on are secondary doctrines. Now let me just also say if somebody doesn't Um, you know, has a different view on what we would consider primary doctrine, like the person of Jesus, the way of salvation, then we don't consider those people Christians, right? So a good example of this would be Mormon church, also Jehovah's Witnesses. There's a reason why they're not considered Christians by the majority, though the great majority or perhaps all Christians. And that's because they believe things that are very different than what the Bible teaches about Jesus and about how to be saved. But as far as other denominations, you know, they're really just um, gatherings of the people of God who have differences of opinion on secondary doctrines. But I think that we can have those differences of opinion on secondary doctrines and still all get along with each other and still be brothers and sisters. Just this past week, I got together with a good friend of mine who's a pastor here in Longmont. Uh, He pastors a different church and they have some doctrinal and practical differences from our church. Um, But man, I love this guy and I know that he loves me. And I know that uh, if somebody goes to his church, they're going to be, that's a good place for them to be. And um, so why not just join our churches? Well, we have very different philosophies of ministry and we're reaching different people than they're reaching. And so what we look at that is we look at that and we say, hey, you know what? We're just different parts in the body of Christ, right? Uh, You're a hand and I'm a foot or maybe vice versa. I'm not sure, but we're both important. We both have our place in this city and what God is doing in this region. And I pray for their ministry, that God would bless it. I know they pray for mine. We are friends. We communicate. We talk. There's no division. There's no animosity. Now, there is a division in the sense of we're not going to combine our churches and our resources. Why? Because, well, we have different, we do think different things about certain things. And we we do have a different philosophy of ministry. We interpret different things different ways. But I would never for one moment, say that this guy's not a Christian or I would never talk bad about him. And there, you know, there are other churches in Longmont that I feel the exact same way about. And So I don't actually see this as division as much as I see it as difference or diversity. And I think that diversity is good. Uh, Now, there are things, there are hills that we die on. There are hills that we will um, not agree on. You know, where, where we'll say, hey, that's something where we are not willing to compromise. That is a primary issue to us, and we have to be very careful about defining what the primary issues are and what the secondary issues are. So that would be my answer to you. Um, and I, I think that we can be unified in Christ. And actually, you know, Ephesians tells us to strive for unity, strive to keep the you know, bond of love. And the oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to look it up so I don't pronounce, I don't uh, quote it wrong. Here's what it says: Ephesians chapter four and he tells us this, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. What that means is, you know, however you were baptized, wherever you were baptized, if we hold these primary doctrines to be true, we can discuss the secondary doctrines as family, and we can do it with collegiality. So I hope that answers your question. Thanks for texting in, and God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We've got uh, about 13 minutes left in the show. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. We'd love to talk with you and hopefully answer some of your questions and pray for you if you have a prayer request. Let's go to our next caller, Luther, in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Luther. Welcome to the program.
2: Thank you for having me.
3: Absolutely. What's up?
2: So I have a quick question. Actually, it might be more complicated than what I'm actually making it out to be. Uh, so I get it. When you get baptized and you ask Christ in your life for forgiveness, you're supposed to change our lifestyle and our ways. But if we're struggling with something, what's the, can you tell me the difference between struggling and living in the sin?
3: Yeah, and how are you Yeah, hey, you know, that's interesting. Your name is Luther. Are you, can I ask, are you Lutheran?
2: No, I am not.
3: So I grew up Lutheran. That's why I ask. I grew up uh, Missouri Synod Lutheran. And uh, I've come to appreciate that Lutheran heritage a lot more over the past several years. But here's one thing that Martin Luther said about this issue. He said that to be a Christian in the world is to be, uh, he said in Latin, Justus et peccator, which means to be righteous and a sinner at the same time. Now, what that means is that we are declared righteous in God's eyes, and yet we still struggle with sin. Now, I think 1 John speaks to this issue perhaps best of all, because what John says, he uses this phrase, those who practice sin. And he says, if we go on practicing sin, we have not known God, a person who does that. Now, what he's saying uh, sometimes bothers some people because some people read that and they're like, wait a second. I thought I was a Christian, but I definitely sin every single day, multiple times a day. So does that mean that John is saying that I'm not a Christian? No, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about two attitudes. You know, think about what you practice. You know, you practice your golf swing. You practice um, at sports, right? You practice at things you want to get better at. Because you intend to do them more and get better at them. And that's the idea. You know, what do you wake up in the morning? What do you practice? What do you what are the things that you want to do better at? Do you look yourself in the mirror and say, Hey, I sinned yesterday and today I'm gonna do that same sin. In fact, I'd like to do it even better than I did yesterday? Or do you look yourself in the mirror and say, Hey, I wanna I wanna walk with God and honor him? And along the way, sometimes you stumble and fall. Right? So it's a matter of are you sinning and delighting in that sin? Are you sinning and and you're heartbroken over the fact that you committed that sin? And I think that Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5.17 are really important here because he says that in Christ, we're a new creation, right? So you're a new creation. You're a new creature. And you could think of it this way. Um, A pig and a sheep are two different kinds of creatures. Now, both of them may fall into... Uh, some mud from time to time the difference though is that the pig dreams about you know wallowing in the mud when they wake up in the morning their goal is to find some mud and get themselves in that mud whereas a sheep might fall in the mud but it's definitely not their goal they they not they are trying not to fall in the mud so I hope that that kind of uh, gives you some differentiation you know I would say this to a person if you are bothered by your sin if you grieve over it then i would say yeah you're you're not um that that's called struggling with sin you're doing something and you're heartbroken over it you want to put it behind you you don't want it to mess up your relationship with god you are grieved by it that shows me a heart that's been uh, re- renewed and redeemed on the other hand, a person who says, "Hey, I don't, I don't even care. Just whatever. I'm doing this, and I don't care what God thinks." I'd say that's somebody who uh, I really, really, really question whether or not there's been any um, redemption or new life in that person's life.
2: Gotcha. Because so that's kind of saying you're saying that the Holy Spirit is convicting of us of our sins if we feel remorse about it, correct?
3: I'm saying that the Holy Spirit going to convict you of your sin, whether you feel remorse over it or not. The question is, um, the redeem or say the renewed person, um, there's actually another word I keep looking for, but it's not coming to mind. Anyway, the the person who's received new life and become a new creation in Christ, that person is, um, is going to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because, here's why, you know... It, um, regenerated. Thank you, producer, helping me out as always. Thank you. Yeah, so a person who's been regenerated, you know, it's 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 like uh, Ezekiel says in his, his letter, he gives this example. He says that God will remove your heart of stone. You know, think about stone. You can poke a stone and it doesn't respond. It's unfeeling. It's hard. He's going to remove our heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh that's sensitive, that's soft, that responds. So, that's what I'm saying. See, here's the thing. I think that um, the Holy Spirit is with everybody, convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the reason I think that is because Jesus said that. He said that He is in the world, convicting people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The question is, do people respond to it? So I hope that answers your question. I think that I think that He's convicting all people, but many of us, you know, have become callous or just don't care.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. I appreciate it.
3: Awesome. God bless you, Luther. Thanks for you calling too, in. Well, thank you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. Let's go to our last caller, I think. It'll be Anthony in Colorado Springs. Hi, Anthony. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thank you, and thank you for all you do. I listen to you all the time and really appreciate your ministry. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so uh, my wife and I have been serving in our church for about a year um, as children's um, in the children's ministry, and, you know, I just— I really want to know, like, how do you know if God's calling you to the ministry, like, full-time, um, specifically into counseling? Uh, I really have a heart for uh, men in the, the church, and, you know, we got some big conferences coming up, and I've actually been asked to uh, be a mentor, and um, you know, I've been in the construction field for about 20 years, and I'm kind of getting burned out on it. I'm always like trying to talk to people about Jesus, and I find myself talking to people that I really don't want to hear. Um, and I got so much to say, and I'm feeling like, well, if I was in the ministry full time, or if God would open that door, um, I think that I would just uh, be able to fulfill. Um, you know kind of like my heart's desire in order to speak to people about Christ um, who want to hear and who you know are are interested in hurting you know and I just really my I guess the the simplicity of my question is how do you know like if you're being called to that
3: yeah great question and you know that's what what the scriptures say that somebody who who desires to be an overseer um, desires an honorable thing and a good thing and so here's what I would tell you um, there's a there's an interesting phrase that I've I've often returned to many times it's by Charles Spurgeon and he Charles Spurgeon you know was a preacher and he had a class where he would train preachers and one time you know one of his things that he told his students it's found in his book letters to my students he said this he goes if you can do anything else and be happy do it Right. In other words, if you can be a milkman, if you can be uh, a news journalist, if you can do anything else and do it, then you should do it. Yeah, sorry, it's called lectures to my students, not letters to my students. Um, but he says, if you can do anything else, you should do it. And I'll tell you what, in ministry, that's pretty important because, you know, there's a ton of stuff out there that it would tell you what I'm telling you now is that there's a lot of discouragement that comes in ministry. Uh, I read this tweet the other day that just kind of reminded me of that. It was, it was you know, tongue in cheek. But it was the person, you know, saying a pastor says, hey, should I have friends in my church? And then somebody responds and says, hey, well, if you don't have friends in your church, well, then who's going to stab you in the back? You know, and anyway, the point is that in ministry, you will have a lot of hurt but it is worth it. But if you can do anything else, do it. And here's what I would tell you. If you want to be used by God and counsel people and speak to people about God, you can do that in any field. I had, uh, in when I was younger, before I moved to Hungary uh, as a missionary, I was uh, 18 years old and I worked, I spent a summer working in a warehouse where I delivered furniture with Christie Sports. And I'll tell you, every day I woke up and I said, God, Please give me an opportunity to speak about you at work today. And without fail, every day for that entire summer, I had the opportunity to speak to my coworkers about the Lord and to counsel them. They were dealing with really, you know, you know one guy, you know, his son is in jail. Another guy, you know, is dealing with drugs. You know, you had real issues and people who really need the gospel, people who don't set foot inside the church and i was able to meet them in that place and minister to them and then as i after that for for the rest of my ministry have been in full time ministry there are oftentimes when i look back at that and i'm jealous of guys in a situation like you're in for example um, where you know you have the opportunity in the construction world to interact with people every day who maybe will never set foot inside a church or who haven't, but they're dealing with real issues and you're able to speak into their life. And so I would tell you this, I don't think that the only answer to that, uh, to what you want to do, which is a good desire, is, um, is to go into full-time ministry, but maybe it is. So how do you know? I say you pray about it, you ask, you, you feel like, you know, I, I like to get to that point when I'm seeking God's will where I feel like if I don't do this, I will be doing something wrong. So um, I would tell you that seek God, seek his will, get to that, find that place where you feel like you you are confident that this is what God's telling you to do. And if you don't do it, you'll be doing something wrong. But I also say this, prepare yourself now. Prepare yourself now to be a counselor, to bring God's word into people's life and to point them to Jesus. start getting equipped in every way that you possibly can right now whether that's reading books about biblical counseling, whether that's getting you know some seminary classes here or there maybe your church offers a class that you can be a part of. Um, I'd tell you just start getting equipped. share this desire with your leaders and your pastor in your church tell them, hey I have a desire. maybe there's some outlets already in the church. That, that you could get involved with, or maybe you could get mentored under somebody else. And, uh, and I would just encourage you to pursue it in that way. But don't, don't assume that the only way to speak God's word into people's lives is to go into full-time ministry. I know a lot of people in full-time ministry who feel that it's almost a trap that keeps them out of the world and, and uh, reaching people who don't know Jesus. So may God bless you. May he lead you and guide you and show you uh, the way that you should go. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church. God bless you. Have a great evening, and we'll be with you next time on Calvary Live.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.